What's up everyone and welcome to the show. Today I am going to be discussing and diving into The Pathless, created by Giant Squid Studio. Before I go into that though, super duper quickly, this is the first show since the big shift in the multiverse where we all collectively, some would say barely, but I think decisively, most of us pushed on our side of this multiverse bubble back towards the normal, non-insane, non-comic book villains in the highest office in the world running things, multi like dimension. So I'm very, very pleased about that. And I will never be able to divorce my experience of having completed, experienced and completed The Pathless from this time in history where essentially a huge part of the title is going throughout the land and renewing it, uh, where there's a predominant red energy that you then turn a light blue, but still blue. So uh, as in the corrupted spirits, um, and then the floating isle, uh, and that figure who deigned himself to be a god, etc., etc., it like um, inextricable, cannot be extracted from the time in history in which it came out. The Pathless is my game of the year 2020. It is neck and neck with The Last of Us Part Two. The reason for this is uh, prior to playing The Pathless, I, yeah, The Last of Us Part Two was my game of the year. However, this is the huge thing for me. So I, I don't know if um, people know about this, but I'm creating my own universe. The quantum myth, uh, you can see it on Instagram. It's pretty much quantum myth everywhere. I'm building the quantum myth.com. And essentially it is um, taking mythology across the world, fusing it together based on Joseph Campbell's research uh, and just that monomythic aspect of all different cultures sharing similar intrinsic aspects like totemic deference to animals, um, the hero's journey, etc. And just tangibly sort of fusing, like taking that from a theoretical space and then turning it into something creative and then all connected. And the titular quantum myth is this creation story. You can read about it on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash quantum myth. And I am looking at um, all kinds of mythologies. Uh, I would say if we were going to do a pie chart of it, there's some Aboriginal Australian, which is my home country. Um, and that's reflected in some of my patterns. Um, there's a lot of, there's some Celtic aspects. There's some, definitely quite a bit of a Hindu aspects. Um, you'll also find slight nomenclaturic uh, allusions to Japanese as well. Like, for example, in the title, The Pathless, the bear deity is called Kumo. And I believe Kumo literally means bear in Japanese. Um Cernunos is, or Cernunos is a horned deity uh, in Celtic mythology um, and is also believed to stretch beyond Celtic mythology and the word Cernunos or Cernunos has been used to refer to uh, a various different kinds of horned deities and would you know it, the Pathless has Cernos as one of the deities. So... Um, it was this beautiful affirmation for me that the world is is gearing up to be ready for something that I'm personally creating. That is the only reason, uh, apart from obviously, let, let me just say, it's just the speechlessness-inducing qualities of this title. Um, it is this beautiful building on top of what was set, laid forth with Journey. Uh, you can even see the lineage of across all of Matt Nava's titles from the idea that you're going to these areas and renewing them. That comes from Flower. This flow-based uh, gameplay that obviously comes from Flow. Um, the journey kind of uh, architecture illusions with the you know now iconic Nava-esque as I've developed that um, Noma. And I hope that that's something that we start using just like Dali-esque and Kafka-esque, etc. Nava-esque because he created this um, and that's why this is episode one of the Nava podcast, as you can see. And as some people probably know, I record to the main show and then whatever the topic ends up being, I not only publish it on the main feed, but then I publish it in the separate feed, the topic specific feed as well. So this one will definitely be Nava slash Wintery, who is the composer Austin Wintery focused. So this will go out on both of those feeds. 
So that's how it works. On top of all of that, beautiful wears its heritage on its sleeve and yet still maintains that air of, hi, this is an advancement of the medium the same way, same way that uh, the path, sorry, the Last of Us Part Two was, um, in that it really does. I really believe, and I said this in some of my comments to um, Mr. Wintry, that it it will go on to influence other titles. This just like Journey has, like there's a lineage after Journey, there's a lineage after Flower, and Flow, and and the Pathless has now will now begin its own kind of um, you know gene pool if you think about it that way or if you want to use that analogy, is that we will see, you know, in in, five, in three or four years' time, it's like, yes, a huge influence for me was the Pathless in that it had this, you know, navigation um, uh, system that was based on rhythm, and it's just, you know, it really stands out because of that aspect. Um, but I'm going to look into all, all different aspects, so... Um, but yes, so it was really honestly neck and neck, um, and I have no doubt that um, it will get recognized very... Um, and it ought to... Otherwise, I'll kick up quite a fuss if it doesn't get recognized at the upcoming Game Awards um, for what it does. Also, the symbolism near the end, the the emotions uh, are, are so high in in, in that conclusion, uh, and especially thanks to Mr. Wintry's music. So huge, absolutely huge. So, But anyway, um, it was, yeah, and, and honestly, like, so I'm experiencing it for the first time. I'm... I'm uh, I'm, you know, I've I've set up the PlayStation Five and everything, and, you know, that opening screen, the la- the Last Guardian right there is is that beautiful menu, um, just you know start, continue, save whatever options, and it is just the beautiful singing, the Mongolian kind of throat singing, uh, with just the um, eagle um, bar relief. Which there is a picture of Matt Nava himself somewhere. I think it's possibly in the Art of Journey, where it shows him in a um, as a young kid. It might even be on one of his social media feeds. Is him as a young kid in a museum with his sketchbook out, sketching this eagle mural. Um, so believe me, like there's going to be a few instances of this where I just want to really hit home for you that at least from an observer's point of view, although my heart really speaks to this and I feel, I believe this to be unequivocally true, but you know, short of working for the dude who I hope to one day or working with him and, and the studio, that's, that's a goal of mine, uh, short of developing that closer rapport, I can't really fully ascertain, but at least my intuition, my fellow artist's intuition tells me that the pathless is a exercise in, Matt Nava expressing his deepest and truest self in the same way that for a while I believed Death Stranding was going to be for Kojima. I mean, he expressed his true self um, to the to the degree, to the space that he was in, and that that title is is what that title is. In fact, there's actually um, teensy little allusions to Death Stranding in this, which is the idea of the um, you know when there's uh, when you get attacked by an enemy, the the environment shifts, and there's that encounter, and then the environment melts back to normal and. And, and definitely some Breath of the Wild influences. But by the way, also all of this is is from memory. I'm not looking at anything. Um, in about 45 minutes, I'm heading to work. This is just me, um, sort of splayed in my in my room, just kind of conversing with you. But if I'm not lazy with the edit, I will be putting some of my footage uh, that I saved from the code that I received very generously from the folks at. Giant Squid Studio, who after I think I had I'd written to them a few times, just to express just my you know universal um, goodwill to them for for doing what they do and being who they are, and they uh, Jules actually shout out to you Jules from uh, Giant Squid Studio, um, letting me know about this opportunity for an early access review code, which is tremendous and and wonderful and thank you, and I definitely don't take it for granted. And let me just say this, the plan all along, and you can look like my Reddit post history speaks for itself. Um, anyone who's known me since 2010 or so, rough, roughly when I first encountered like Flower and stuff can speak to this is just I've been enamored with the studio. So it would have been a purchase for me anyway. So literally them buying me the code or sorry, um, you know, offering me the code didn't influence me at all. So let that be known. Um 
And I don't know, folks, like think about maybe an instance of something that you've been wanting to do with your life and a movie sort of comes along and sort of sort of lights a fire underneath you and say, hey, here's this thing. And here's here. And it almost acts as a bit of a mirror of like, here's what you could do and what what you know in your heart you want to be doing. And there are so many instances of that in the path that I was actually pausing it to work on the quantum myth, like it really fueled me. I experienced this kind of motivation not just from Matnava, but also from Guillermo del Toro, who, when he discusses his sort of um, world-building kind of stuff, that really inspires me. By the way, the quantum myth isn't very super-duper Tolkienian kind of in-depth sort of stuff. Um, I've actually stripped it down a lot, and it is quite elemental, like the titles are just... For example, the episode one of the quantum myth is The Origin, episode two is The Father, episode three is you know, um, the sisters, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, you know, look at the, uh, you know, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash quantum myth for the sequence. I've already started laying those one out and eventually those will become podcast episodes and then those podcast episodes will get adapted. So it's going from being a text post to a podcast episode to uh, like a pitch, a series of pitch documents kind of thing. And then um, a compendium primer, which I will self-author, uh, which I will then send out to folks like um not just uh you know giant squid studio but also you know friend and foe and tequila who did rhyme and um you know some of the folks who did you know uh yarny whatever those titles are unraveled and um fey fe and uh sea of solitude you know these amazing uh i would say stepping you know in stride with what Nava is doing either alongside him or following after him like like Sable for example what a stunning title and then also Way to the Woods um, made by a fellow Aussie Melbourneian where it's just you as a deer guiding your um, child deer you know you're I think you're a doe um, and you're sort of guiding your your foal to the woods it's beautiful so um, yeah let's let's I'll take you back right to the start so it's this beautiful uh, opening sequence where you're arriving um obviously after pressing play um or pressing start from that beautiful start screen and again sorry if i took it the tangent but yeah so matt nava um very similar kind of eagle motif there and i think the man has a definitely must have a resonance with the eagle creature of um the animal itself um because of uh um that kinship that is evident when he is sketching it as a kid. I think he's about like 11 years old or so in that photo. And I'll try and chase it up and maybe post it to the Nava show. Oh, sorry, to the Nava Instagram feed. Uh, which is, by the way, uh, just instagram.com forward slash Nava podcast. Um, beautiful arrival on the beach. Uh, can I just say this, folks? Now, it's been a heck of a year. It has been a ringer of a year. And when I played this, I felt complete peace at every juncture. There was no stress. There was no frustration at all. It was just so kind. Overall, it was just such a generous and not in a simplificated, like in a, in a you know, what's um simplistic. So there's a difference between simple and simplistic. So simplistic is really if like it's it's made with the idea that either the person who's going to be playing is maybe a child and needs a lot of help and stuff like that versus simple where it's just just intuitive it's just very kind and very very polished so there'd be for example a number of puzzles where um you know the eagle going to fetch the weight that you can bring around you know with the circle button that is one of the kindest one of the most you know cutting through the faff game mechanics ever and it is not a deus ex kind of mechanic it is simply that Instead of me, you know, once I realize how to get that block from here to there, instead of me having to run myself personally to get that, it just cuts away. It, like you just go, you whistle and the eagle goes and gets it. it very much respects your time, respects your intelligence. You know, this this title throughout in every aspect. So many elements of, oh, wow, they thought of that too. And oh, wow, this little vignette, especially the last memories, which are very touching actually sometimes of the deceased inhabitants of the isle. You'll come across people of various different faiths, like either they were followers and disciples of the Pathfinder who eventually became the God Slayer, or um, they were reluctant followers, or they were regretful followers, um, or they were, you know, those fighting to keep the belief systems of their own land intact and um, 
and I definitely hadn't haven't spotted them all. I I, I remember at one point just as is inevitable, uh, not just because you know I've got the the full time work, but I also wanted to do right by the by Jules and and um, uh, Giant Squid um, for approaching me, and, and I wanted to put my review out in time. So this is going out today on the main feed. It'll go out later today on another podcast everywhere and then i'll be sending it to jules and to the team just as a thank you so if you're listening to this hey <laughs> that was that was the plan and meta because you're listening to me planning that right now anyway um you're flying through this world um not just like and you know there's that adjective it's like you're flying yes that also can mean you know f- like actually physically flying as in in the air but on the ground you're flying folks like from the very start and some titles they begin with the idea that you're really super duper underpowered and and it's this grind to get to feeling that certain sense of like oh yeah i've got i've hit my stride i hit my stride in the pathos very early on um because of the intuitiveness of the um the layout of everything and um just i mean very early on, I actually it occurred to me it's like I will be returning to this to just experience the aisle. I just had moments of this place is so peaceful and so what we need to be like, and that's you know often that game company and also um, Giant Squid uh, is. I think you know as much as Genova Chen was the kind of creative director, I think a lot of Matt Nava's sensibilities as a person, you know, really really influenced the journey and. Um, I think it was a definitely a co-production from them, and I think, insofar in the same way that Sky Children of Light is pure Genova, the Pathless is pure Nava, you know, and love and light to Genova and that game company with what they're doing with this collaborative, um, and I love that, and I look, I just want them to to put it on console because it's just I'm. Maybe call me old school, but I just don't like the whole touch screen thing. It's just, you know, I tried firing it up on the, I think I tried firing it up on the Mac at one point and it just, you know, I was, you know, as, as my fiance's helped me and it's not a, a, um, a pejorative. It's just like love and light. Like I wish you well, but it's, that's not me. And, and, you know, PS5, I'm hoping that they'll release that version very soon. Um, so a huge part of the pathless's um identity not just its appeal but just is this you know the titular pathlessness uh no map beautiful beautiful because uh it and i want to say this just overall about the title it came it it really the impression built upon me that not only it not only is this first and foremost unto itself its own thing created from this i believe a very kind of jungian deep primal unconscious place for Nava. Um, there's a lot of totemic aspects to this. There's a lot of dreamlike aspects, definitely monomythic aspects to it. Um, you know, the deference to the animal, uh, you know, and um, the fallacy of reckoning oneself as powerful and or as influential as gods and the hubris of the belief that one is greater than nature and can influence nature itself, like that's embodied by the God Slayer. So a lot of that is is this beautiful distillation of that beautiful timeless lesson, which is, you know, in, you can find it in Star Wars, you can find it in Lord of the Rings, is that idea of the the industrialized, deigns to think itself a God kind of mind, how that's doomed to fail and that nature will rise up and reclaim uh, the works of man. You know, it's beautiful. Beautiful and it's a timeless story that is definitely worth retelling and that's, you see that in Avatar as well. So it's a beautiful theme. Um, speaking of themes, I'll just need, I need to take an aside for Austin Wintry who I think has outdone himself. Not I think, I know and my heart has outdone himself with this score. Um, I can hum it. Like that's embedded in me, in my in my heart going forward and i don't care how eye or corny it sounds or sappy it's like you know how you were listening to like mulan in the 90s or like disney movies or whatever like that's it has found its place alongside those titles uh, in that kind of pantheon and you know koji kondo and nobuo uematsu and um uh yeah just those those time oh, i need to think of the third one otherwise i i get a bit ocd sometimes so uematsu koji kondo and um oh damn okay well if it comes to me i think i actually put it in the post so it's the third one so there's a another prominent um japanese composer that it really reminded me of 
Um, so yeah, I mean, let me throw her in. Yokoshima Mora, she's amazing. But yeah, that that kind of elemental, uh, distilled, extremely memorable and catchy. Again, catchiness comes from it being memorable. So that's what Mr. Wintry really, Master Wintry, <laughs> really, really tapped into with his uh, with his score. Um, I can ascribe that theme to the hunter. I can ascribe it to the world. Uh, it is this versatile theme that appears throughout and in that way we're beautiful as he's done with with a journey where beautiful timeless themes are able to kind of morph and and change themselves to the mood of um of each setting the way the music rose up and i think it, it honestly he's he is at the forefront this isn't smoke blowing either he just is at the forefront of um what george lucas used to call that idea of um you know half of this is the visuals half of this is the music with music sorry with games for a while um you know um yeah like game game the, like the game aspect was very important the music you could almost arguably say not so much um because there's that participative as participative aspect that you're sort of in it and you're you're playing and so then the gameplay would become the most prominent aspect but wintry has really validated and given this and sort of laid his laid his flag you know uh, and also just really built this i think this language of the the modern um just emotion enhancing composer where honestly like the game itself would not be as effective without the music you know so and i can't think of any and once again as is the case with all of his scores they stand uh, alone as well uh, they're beautiful unto themselves and that's definitely the impression i got all throughout um, whenever I'd be exploring some ruins and I just heard sort of the distant, uh, which is one of my favorite sounds on planet Earth. It's the um, the Mongolian singing, it's the chanting and th uh, like the throat singing, but then it's the whistle that is done, uh, the chirping kind of whistle. And it's just so, it just brings me so much peace. It's beautiful. You actually see it a bit in the dark crystal and, uh, you know, the who actually, um, from the band The Who, which I highly recommend. They were featured in my Game of the Year last year. Uh, wonder if there's a trend <laughs> happening. It's like for every game that The Who is featured in, or rather Who-like who sounds are featured in, it becomes my Game of the Year. But yes, my Game of the Year last year, um, which got the one-up over Death Stranding, um, again, to each their own, Love and Light, was, um, yeah, the Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order just for what he was able to do with um, uh, something where I, I had honestly given up hope. And I know you shouldn't really, you know, uh, give it, give something points beyond just the formal qualities of what something is. You know, you can bring too much emotions to it if uh, if you're not careful with the idea of, um, like, and I made sure to ask myself that with, with the quantum myth. It's like, hi, am I, am I overscoring this uh, and overpraising it and over resonating with it because of my, you know, quantum myth project and how much this was like this fire personally for me. Honestly, again, just like Austin's score being beautiful and a masterpiece on its own, even divorced from the quantum myth aspect for me, the pathless is a masterpiece on its own. I'm just going to fire away. So the way, this is a minutia, but the way that the leaves, sorry, the, the feathers at the top of the screen, when you flap your wings, Okay, so that, like, notice how they, this is me and my, I just like to go macro micro with all, the, all of this. So the way that, and hopefully I'm making some um, giant squid folk smile when I mention that I've noticed this. Anyone who's played Banjo-Kazooie will remember that when you flap your wings, the feather floats away from the, at the top, the icon, it just sort of peels away and then fades away. And it does it the exact same way in the pathless. So there's very subtle allu allusions to its heritage there because, you know, hunter as banjo eagle as kazooie there's there's an aspect there of oh you know you've reached a new area um you know you can flap higher etc etc all these abilities that let you get to new new areas and the thing is can i say also matt i think was could have couldn't have done couldn't have gone down a better trajectory i think with uh this approach to to it's an integration of of gaming's heritage but in a mythical and in lore relevant way which was, you know, you know, when I was a kid, I just sort of took things at face value and I didn't really question. But then the game of the game, uh, gaminess of games, I, I just I started 
I don't know, call it maturing out of it, but also I just think the medium itself, regardless of like the age of whoever's playing it, we are maturing. Like we're at we're well out of our adolescence. Look at titles like The Last of Us, look at titles like The Pathless. Um and it just like for example, there's the the diamonds that you come across. Those aren't just there for because it's a game. They're there because it's a fragment, uh, like an in-world, there's, there's in-world lore to explain uh, uh, what, what that will help you with. Like, and I think it's it must be something like the, the, the distilled essence of one of the gods or something. Same as Hidetaka Miyazaki does with his titles. Like there's an in-lore reason for continuously returning to the hub for the phantoms that appear beside you. It's not just, basically, the idea of it is just a video game is like anathema too. It's like, they just they don't it's too lazy and i love that because and and kojima does this to a degree as well you know he 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 built up this lore around why the main character you know norman Reedus is a repatriate and that's why he comes back to life there's an in lore kind of explainable in lore reason for for that so minimally if at if never at all the excuse of because it's a video game is ever used throughout this also I'll be putting this out today. I'll be very, very proud of myself to be among the first to get the word out about the pathless. Because as I said, this is truly, and no smoke blowing here, about to blow up. The the hunter and her eagle are iconic. Uh, as I was exploring, I just kept on looking at them and saying, "Wow, I'm a, I feel like how someone must have felt when playing Crash Bandicoot for the first time or playing Spyro for the first time and just, wow, and you just sort of see this silhouette of these characters sort of burn and imprint into your head and even the, you know, the key art of the the, the hunter just sort of sliding, which is now an iconic pose for her. She slides and then she fires the arrow, which is indicative of the sort of the central gameplay aspects. Um, that is iconic as well. You know, it's just same with the, if you look at Mario in silhouette, you know, jumping up with his fist up, that's iconic now. So, and she's just, yeah, the hunter and the eagle. That's, there you go. We're, we're going to start hearing more and more about them, folks. And uh, the world will definitely start waking up to this beautiful, solace-bringing, relaxing, uh, engrossing and immersive title. And I love that it was my, it was my first, um, PlayStation 5, like, beginning, middle and end sort of experience that I, like, completed and saw the credits roll. And so, yeah, now let me go to my notes just to make sure. So this is just off of me riffing and remembering. But uh, I do keep a diary for the titles that I play through. Uh, I started this in 2017 um, when I was playing uh, Breath of the Wild. And now I I think I might actually touch a bit upon that. So... To some to some degree, maybe I can speak to some folks from Giant Squid who are maybe maybe tuning in. An impression I got from the Pathless, as I said again, fundamentally it is unto itself its own thing, channeled from Nava's <laughs> unconscious. I really think in that kind of Jungian way, really beautiful sort of wanting to express this timeless sentiment about humanity uh, and the bond between man and nature and nature herself prevailing over you know hubris and um, false godhood and all this stuff. But another aspect I, I can, it's, again, can't be denied, is that it feels like a deconstruction of the Breath of the Wild formula, stripping away the, let's just say, uh, you know, non-quality of life aspects, such as the rain, for example, such as running out of arrows. Um, so he just took, he took Breath of the Wild and he just said, How, let's look at these aspects that hold people up, that literally people have to devote hours of their lives towards, for example, in Breath of the Wild, if you shoot a certain amount of arrows, you have to pause, go and get more arrows, right? Uh, or buy more arrows, or get rupees to buy more arrows. So it is a stripped down Breath of the Wild in, in the most beautiful and, and just, as I said, kind and generous way, because, and I would be saying this, even if I didn't have a full-time job or whatever, it's just like, it's just, I know the thing that I want to do. And it's not even an impatience thing. It's just, it's just considerate. It's like, probably the most generous and considerate and thoughtfully designed title I've ever experienced. There were constantly moments where I was like, oh, wow, so that's doing that for me? Not in a lazy way or anything. It's like, oh, the, 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 um, just again, recognizing that kindness. So, oh, wow, the eagle is bringing me the block. Um, oh, wow, that'll, that's actually going to wait for me to be able to reach it before the time runs out. Oh, wow, when I reach the lip of the cliff, uh, making this particular jump, 
I'll just make it and I'll be able to, you know, continue instead of having to fall back to the ground and, and start again. The jump arc is also extremely generous. So there's, um, there's no fear really. Very quickly you drop any kind of fear that you have to be too, um, uh, you know, cautious around, you know, with, like judging distances and how, how far you can jump in it because you start to accrue these extra flaps that you get from, um, uh, you know, meeting each of the spirits and, and cleansing cleansing them of that curse, you know, and, and also the beautiful, beautiful voice work. I reached out to Wintry, uh, asking if it was uh, his wonderful collaborator um, and partner, uh, Angela Bermudez, if she was the voice of the eagle because she um, uh, created an outfit for, I believe the game was in Germany at Gamescom and there was a booth um, or rather just a sort of display area and she sewed everything, she created her own eagle and again, Bermudez, like we have a podcast, the Bermudez podcast, we want it to be down the line, a beautiful kind of sort of hub for folks who I believe in Bermudez's case, just like uh Nava with his titles um but i wouldn't even say actually and this isn't smoke blowing either unto herself seriously there's something very very unprecedentedly singular about the way that that woman uh creates what she does and is who she is and does what she does in her particular sphere of you know mixing cosplay and um, it very much reminds me of my fiance who does very much this idea of deconstructing this multifaceted uh, approach to and in Ray's case it is um you know mentorship and in Angela's case it is yeah so cosplay and art and this kind of multi um you know this multi-angled aspect to creativity that she does you know um and uh, and I because because they're such a dynamic duo I thought like that she'd be involved in that way however so shout out to uh, Angela for that amazing uh you know and I hope that is used again uh I hope she appears on stage in a few weeks if that's a thing I don't know it'll be a digital stage but if to receive to to there to be there to accept uh game of the year I'm I'm really manifesting that for the team uh, Austin has to win um best score he has to Again, <laughs> they'll be hearing from me if if that isn't honoured. <laughs> um, but but no, it is actually uh, you know talk about shared lineage between this and uh, the Last of Us Part Two. It is uh, Laura Bailey. Um, Austin Wintry informed me of that himself in an Instagram comment. So whenever you hear the hunter exclaim something or speak in that beautiful pathlessies language that was developed. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, and, and there's Fumito Ueda lineage there as well, which you can also see in the very high kind of archways, uh, the chirping of, of the person, you know, human with beast companion. That's Last of Us, sorry, The Last Guardian right there. Um, it's just, it is this beautiful confluence and of, of all these wonderful influences. But again, predominantly, like I would say a good 75 to 80% of this title is just Nava, pure Nava. And then the rest is just these, uh, you know, as we all do, we all, nothing is just unique out of the box. It is always influenced by, you know, its surroundings. But there are degrees to which things can just be what they are unto themselves. Uh, and then, you know, balanced or rather then together with what influences them so some are very dominant like predominantly influenced and like the product is this you know let's let's say 60 percent its influence is very clearly leading the way but with this nava is leading his own way and again it's ironic because it's called the pathless but i've never felt giant squid have more direction and more of a sense of who they are and what they're doing uh, I love also later learning the name of the pathless refers to the the one true path and the the path finder who then became the god slayer when he started to have these horrible you know again there's just you cannot extract it from the current times you cannot separate the two so there's a ruin you come across with some sacrifices more than you ever see the last memories which are these or orbs the last thoughts of these uh unfortunate people and uh it's a mass sacrifice and i'll just say his name because i'm not afraid uh donald trump there's there was a we started to see a bit of that kind of i think i'm a god kind of thing and like you must sacrifice yourselves to me kind of mentality which was beautifully it just 
like after the Biden Harris stuff, like I had really reached my apex of of stress, and then this in this beautiful symbolic affirmation of by the way, hey, you think anyone's gonna cut some demagogue, some you know megalomaniacal idiot, fucking small minded thinks he's a god bullshit. Any time across history is ever gonna surpass nature herself, and no, <laughs> and that's also in nineteen eighty four. You know, Ray actually managed to. I was so sad after reading that and she pointed out, hey, by the way, after the novel is finished, you actually read it's being spoken about in the past tense. So it's like this how the this is how the world was, implying that the world got better because it always will. Life and humanity and just the course of history will always trend back towards balance. And Trump is infection yellow, infection pus colored, and Biden is king white blood cell. So you can look at it topographically that way his infection was starting to spread and then the blue panacea the uh the healing forces of um truth came oh came you know i don't care who i alienate with this it's just for me there are certain things that can't be politicized or debated and it and that is life and that is how life is um you know real life by the way i am pro-choice just letting you know <laughs> but like real people dying real people suffering um, that is not up for debate. That is something that needs to be immediately addressed. And the human spirit collectively came together to heal the land and begin to heal the land at least. And it was just, I will never, I'll never be able to forget what a beautiful affirmation this was of just, uh, and confirmation, you know, of, of, um, I mean, they say, they mean the same thing, but it is, it's, it's, it's really taking me to that space where I, I just have this, overwhelming gratitude which is where you start kind of trying to find as many words as you can but i'll never be able to i'm wordless for the pathless let's put it that way uh with gratitude honestly um i'll just you know i have to dash off now because i started just riffing but uh i've got a few notes here so um as well as uh i'll just go through them all so i'll just actually this will be a little insight for some of you in, in my diary. So I have about 30 bullet points here across the entire playthrough. So Campbell proud as in, you know, Joseph Campbell, he would have been proud. Nava's heritage, we covered that. Um, old school level layout, the starting area reminded me literally even the palette or something. It reminded me of like um, Pandemonium, uh, you know, old school PS1 titles. And um, again, I can't give it any higher compliment than that because it made, it reminded me of that, you know, that that's a, a, a proud, something to be, something to be, um, it, it, not forgotten and, and integrated like that's part of the identity of, of titles and that's love to see it normalized this way which is like oh you know yeah like just because i made journey which is this you know exploration of the and like interactive parable as as it was called and i still love that definition um this does bring in that aspect of like hey early on on the level the you know the uh you know, the platforms are a bit lower so that you can reach them so that you can jump to them and stuff. And then later they get bigger and it's just, yeah, just those staples of game design. So I loved noticing some of that and like the idea of the plateau and going into the wider areas. It felt very croc, you know, very Spyro to me, you know. Um, and yeah, now it's just going to be its own adjective. Very pathless, very pathless indeed. That's definitely what the pathless was. Very pathless. Um, so the a beautiful myth, the eagle mother. I mean, I've got a smiley face there. Um, feeling of an instant classic, the palette living in the moment, the same way people remember Ico for the first time. I think I covered that. Um, uh, the arrow whistle and the eagle's cry. So I love that parallel of when you're firing the arrow. It has a little chirp sort of sound. Uh, I remember, you know, as a kid, finding it so cool that that arrows whistled you know like and i first heard that in the sequence in the minds of moria in um the fellowship of the ring excuse me <clears throat> and i was like wow that's so rad and i i remember getting a bow and being like i can't wait to start hearing my arrows start to whistle you know um so that's beautiful and also just to go back to the uh, feeling of an instant classic absolutely the pathless is an instant classic to me um Coolly so uh yeah, so I, I, I put this here for very few and, and seemingly as the years go on it occurs fewer and fewer, but hopefully that, that reverses. But I put the word grateful, just simply grateful, where I whether it's a, an album that I'm listening to or a movie or a line of dialogue, if if I find if I listening to it or experiencing it and the person or the way that 
whatever it is goes is like exactly how I wanted it to go uh, in this way of like, oh, that's so beautiful that we were on the same wavelength. Like that was happening moment to moment all throughout uh, the pathless. So just gratitude all throughout. Uh, that eagle leap and arrow leap is so fluid. I thought I wouldn't make it, but I did. And so, you know, self-explanatory, extremely well polished is another point I had. Um, stripped down, preferred over Breath of the Wild for me. Yes, that's coveted that. Uh, it's so kind with your time. It's like, yes, the Serenos album will float to you, all these little things. So that's another thing. And also that beautiful Jingo, uh, you know, as in, I think, Jingis, I think they're called, um, from, um, or even, you know, puzzle pieces, whatever, Mario with the stars is like that, uh, that beautiful thing that the, you know, when you unlock a new emblem and uh, also shout out to the way that she prays, you know, the clap, that's very, that's not just some pseudo kind of Asiatic thing or whatever. It's like, that's what is done in, in Japan, for example. It's you, you clap to kind of call the attention of the spirits. And that's why, you know, the spirit energy comes. So that has a backing in real world culture. So it doesn't feel on no level does any of this feel like appropriation or anything. It's just beautiful and timeless. And that's, again, you 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 sidestep. This is what I'm experiencing with the quantum myth, actually. You sidestep any kind of appropriation when you literally make it universal. So it's like in the same world, I'm... I'm literally incorporating everything. So you spread everything everywhere and far from it having kind of a slurry non-identity, like it actually finds its own identity in that kind of gestalt exercise. So, and, you know, again, the very notion that as part of this pantheon, you have a, a god called Cernos, which is a, a, Gael a Gaelic Celtic kind of um, nomenclature, and then Kumo, which is, um, which is Japanese, and then Sauro, which is uh, based on the Latin, which is where... Um, and I think also the Greek of where, um, you know, the term for dinosaurs came. Um, oh, what's the third one? Kumo, Sauro, um, Cernos, and it's like the last thing is always just leaving my mind, but anyway, it's there. Um, so it's a hassle-free hassle -free Breath of the Wild uh, right there. So, and also I put it, uh, it's my top 10 cherish, one of my top 10 cherish titles. So it's already in the top 10 pantheon. I still have to figure out where, but it is there. Um, I loved pausing to update my journal. Also, let me quintuply emphasize, I do not say that lightly, that something has entered, immediately like worked its way into my uh, top 10 pantheon. Like, like I, I cannot emphasize how special that is for me. And um, not saying that I'm some like amazing cricket critic who it's like, he's so selective or whatever. It's just, that's just my truth. So it says so many things and does so many things, which, which makes it very much worthy of that. Um, the last guardian, just to give you a hint is the number one on that. And this is this top 10 I'm referring to is, um, the top 10 of across all mediums, like across all works of entertainment, art and entertainment. So the last guardian is number one. And the pathless, I think it's going to be around about number four or five or something like that. We'll have to see. Could even be number two. We'll see. Uh, the alcove. So there was an alcove in the Cernos area, uh, which I loved very much. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> these elements of rain sodden statues with ornate ropes wrapped around them, murals, bar reliefs, such a peaceful kindred dreamscape. And I believe we all have like an inner landscape, folks which we go to if we're feeling stressed, at least I, I really, we all have it there. We just haven't discovered yet. If you have a communion with yours, that's wonderful. And like literally email me about your dreamscapes. I want to hear them. I have my own. Uh, it's hint. It's got some of the Pacific Northwest in there. So shout out to the uh, freaker less areas, or just, if you just took days gone and took away the freakers, that would just be, I mean, it's, it's the Pacific Northwest. That's, that's my dreamscape. And there's a lot of Pacific Northwest in this title. So lots of that, sort of rainy, um, and a key word for the pathless is petrichor, which is the um, smell of earth after it has um, experienced rain. So that was just, I was feeling that. And also on the night, if I'm not lazy with the edit, in the YouTube version of this, I can't put it here because this is the um, podcast version, uh, but in the YouTube version, um, either this or I'll just post it somewhere at some point. Actually, you know what? I'll just post it on the Instagram. It's just the footage of me. I'll put it as a long video on Instagram. On the night that I started playing The Pathless, it was pouring with rain. Uh, and I just, it was petrical all throughout. Um, like, I just could have it in my nostrils. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a perfect way to begin. And I had just set up the PS5 and it all happened very fluidly. Again, 
you know, speaking of just how, like, fluid, fluidity is another chief adjective for the pathless. So, um, fluidity, petrichor, and um, mythology, and just pure mythology here. So, um, the eagle's perch points are very charming. Um, sometimes she would perch on um, dead bodies, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I know they've passed away, and you're a goddess, so that's, that's fine. I love the idea of you traveling the world. That's very mythical as well. Uh, a reincarnated goddess, you know, that's incredible um i'm just smiling like a big dumb smile from how like yeah that's that's how you do it you know you read about this stuff in like indian myth it's like oh yeah you know zeus as like a swan or whatever or, and like you know it's um yeah the idea of the reincarnated god accompanying you is, is beautiful and folks like with the sopranos watching that over and over again i like i actually can't wait to play the pathless just from the beginning again just you know in a more relaxed capacity and just ah you know, I'm going to keep that one downloaded for a long time. I I went with the digital version of the PS5. So, yeah, um, it'll just always be there. It'll be like the baseline title. Okay, so I, I mentioned... Um, so that idea of, yeah, the eagle can do it. But with, with balance, not not like doing everything for you, but that idea of like, oh, yeah, she can help me is, is beautiful. And it is lovely symbolic of that that sense that we should be like, hey, we can tap into nature. She's re- she's with us. She's got our back and we've got her back. You know, it's beautiful. Um, so I also put here, I'd love to go to this aisle whenever I need peace. You know, I thought of the word inner aisle, which is just a lovely combination of words. And we all have this kind of environment, I think, or something akin to this peaceful environment within each of us. So I love that that was brought out in digital form and then made into this interactive space, which again is going to be healing for people is that they'll play this to, to decompress from stress, etc. Um, so this is a, an entry to myself, which was inspired by the pathless. I said, I need my voice to be in here. So, uh, this is about quantum. Myth. so create the compendium primers, get my layout skills on, uh, do it re- refined and streamlined and pitch to teams like Matt Nava's team, essentially. So once again, I- I'm certain that just you know the it's wonderful to entertain it is wonderful to distract but to inspire i think that is one of the highest it's the highest praise that i can really give and the highest forget praise the highest true from my heart appreciation earnest grounded like direct raw appreciation for a creative work and more more even more than that, like a creator to inspire someone else to create is just, yeah, it's, that's the, I believe the ultimate um, effect that art can have, the ultimate effect that an artist can have, certainly. So that's, was very much the case with the pathless for me, um, with my work with the quantum myth, for sure. Um, So this Miyazakian idea that everything around in this island Again, you could be like, oh, well, you know, it's a bit convenient for things to be laid out that just that way. And you just happen to find the arrows and you just happen to find the bow or just happen to find the eagle. Remember, she's prophesized for this. You see the mural kind of illusions at the end in that sequence where she's walking through uh, and that sort of time pauses. And it's the animals presenting her with the light bow and, and just the, that beautiful sequence is the idea of like, and you see it in the never ending story, you know, when he comes across a mural of himself, it's like, this is how things were laid out. And that is symbolic. It's not just like a, you know, coasting on this Deus Ex game design thing. Um, this, she was meant for this. And there's something beautiful and mythical about that. And we experience that when we have moments in life where it's like, wow, this person came into my life at this exact moment, or this opportunity came at this exact time for me to be able to go into this next stage, into this next stage. And so... And this isn't me trying to like hoity-toity, like, you know, elevate it in any way. It's like, it's just, it's laid out beautifully. I never found myself being like, because that definitely feels like the case with the early, like Mario, for example, like, you know, like the, there isn't a fundamental kind of theme to Mario, which says, hey, this was his destiny and that platform was meant to be there because of da-da-da. Like, it's just fun. And that's, you know, I love Nintendo for that unto themselves. But with this being the case that she feels like it's like the people have gone to the aisle to try and rid it of the curse. They failed her. She's been, she's clearly been training so hard for this. And again, I just love that aspect of this amazing female protagonist with her amazing kind of nature familiar slash, you know, godly counterpart because she um has some eagle eyes like eagle-like aspects to her you know swift uh certainly noble looking um and yeah definitely attuned you know uh and 
constantly like I mean she's a hunter and he eagles are hunters so simple there and uh yeah beautiful so yeah she was and and when I say Miyazakian uh it is that idea of um yeah it is in world explainable so he is my one of my go-to adjectives for that I think I'll also say that like Navaesque in future not just to refer to aesthetics but to that aspect of yeah yeah within in the law it's like explainable in law because that is simply far more interesting than just sort of resting on that excuse of oh yeah it's a video game so like everything laid out from the way that traps not traps um you know obstacles and uh, puzzles and stuff like it all lined up so that uh, someone with an eagle and a bow could do it this was laid out that way and it's there's also a healthy dose of kind of mystery around how things were set up and why they were set up which makes it all in world explainable to me and that's just people people pick certain things you know and i won't like die on a hill about it but it's like people pick certain things that is you know or, or rather they resonate with certain things about why that is more is, is is as effective as it is and and what makes it even more effective and for me it's when a story goes out of its way to make something in world explainable uh it's just it enhances the experience and it just makes it feel richer and so that's the case for me ivan earl would be proud is another note so if you look up ivan earl he's one of the chief um uh, inspirations behind the aesthetics of i mean let's just start with his actual work sleeping beauty if you look at the palette of that, uh, some of the kind of angular, slightly angular kind of design of the branches and twigs and that sort of thing, you can see a bit of that here. Uh, Austin also scored the Banner Saga, whose chief main, at least for the backdrops, uh, you know, aesthetic inspiration is Ivan Earl. So just look up any of his art there and um, yeah, he would definitely be smiling to experience this whole title. And just simply, I have a, a, I have a dot point here simply called Rain <laughs> and Smiley Face. Um, Self-explanatory. Never-ending story-esque, the red and nothing. So when the pulses come out, which is that quasi-distranding aspect of like, this is happening, like the, the BTs arrived and there's an encounter about to happen and when you have to go and retrieve uh, the eagle. Um, again, I also love that there's no traditional death so to speak um i never really died i just sort of got knocked down and and again there's that sense of what is relevant it was just it's like this whole title went through constant the constant question throughout every aspect design is like is this kind is this necessary not in this way where we're stripping away difficulty but um but we're just stripping away inconvenience and i think there's a difference there so let's take away let's keep the difficulty where it is uh and certainly some of the bosses i had to try you know some of the larger enemy like just the the enemies because there's only really those four uh nothing else is really like there's no roaming enemies or anything like that which i love as well it's just again an allusion to shadow of the colossus which i love um um the the quantum myth is full of uh uh, deific creatures um including the kuloran who are these uh creatures who are half fauna half flora and they are um sort of of the forest and they are representative of the god's will to have flora and fauna recognize themselves in each other and to not be at odds with each other and one thing in one of the quantum myth lore parts is that the reason why trees are still is because the wars of of the past between flora and fauna because they were you know because you know what is it i mean they're i mean look at the beavers they're always tearing up trees and so that in the past definitely would have made trees angry and like i envisioned that in the past the trees revolted and fought the same way as there's a phonetic kind of cousin of the kuloran who are the huorn from um tolkien and they are ambulant trees so trees that move and and uh, attack and uh, I envisioned these creatures as almost like the peacekeepers between the flora and fauna worlds and the tacit thing about trees being still and peaceful is that the trees appreciated that that was something the gods created as these sort of mediator spirits and they said okay and so the stillness of the trees is their tacit appreciation and agreement with the terms that okay you've you've done well and that's why we are at peace and perfect staying perfectly still so little tid tidbits here that all throughout i was like oh wow this aspect of the pathos really speaks to that so um but anyway, back to the never ending story thing. Yeah, so, um, and obviously that's re referring to like the um, Pacific Northwest aspect and the, the pine trees and the, that beautiful mixture of flora fauna that you see. Um, and in fact, when you're in, uh, you know, the realm of the deer, you know, Keranos uh, or Seranos, you see this beautiful tree that is like splayed out like these antlers. So it's like 
you know, and, and the way that Antlers spread is, you know, it's that same kind of baseline electricity. Look it up. It's what my patterns are based on. It's called morphogenesis. It's the origin of all patterns. Uh, it follows that same kind of fundamental universal electricity. And yeah, I love that. Also, I loved how each of the uh, spirit animals had uh, the same tail. It's a very distinctive kind of um, crescent shape to the tail, which I loved. And each of the you know, when they dipped their noses uh, into the water or just their mouths, they just picked up the arrow. The arrow had that little crescent. It's like the, almost like the blessing of the gods. And uh, crescent implies something changing, you know. Uh, the moon always shifts and the moon's color is blue. Uh, and the feminine, it, as blue, comes to kind of eclipse, you know, the sun, which is beautiful. And I love that. And uh <laughs> yeah that beautiful symbol i mean i i also do the dune podcast and there's that line um you know from the latest trailer from the pink floyd you know um the sun is eclipsed by the moon and the sun the, the sun really thinks it's all that it's like i'm the sun don't you understand i'm this big like red ball of unstoppable blah and that's at the end you know the god slayer he's all like ah look at me blah. you know so much power and yet this beautiful peaceful moon kind of this cadre, this pantheon of of moon beings, these feminine beings, which is all feminine as far as I understand, all of them. I don't think, uh, I think Humo, I think may have been referred to in the, in the masculine, but there's a beautiful feminine presence here and they just, hi there. And I just, I'm moving my hand now to look like just this movement of, uh, just that peaceful movement of like, hi, no matter what kind of fuss that the sun makes, it's like, click, <laughs> and the feminine just kind of, quells and just comes to comes to it fearlessly and says hi calm down same as throughout the day it's like you and your blazing sun you know whatever it's like hi and then it eventually fades and the moon kind of comes and kind of quells it that's why we ascribe you know the feminine to the moon and the masculine to the to the sun where it's like and remember the moon it came from fucking who knows where it's <laughs> like and it hit the planet and then that's how she joined but she's from the void she's from the power beyond power the far far deep blackness uh, of the feminine beautiful all-encompassing feminine void uh really to kind of be an envoy for the void and say hi so you think you're this you think you're all that with your sunlight you're one star okay <laughs> you are one blazing fireball and the moon represents the outer wider cosmos uh which is the feminine so and uh, yeah, so that's me getting into some symbolism. But anyway, literally, it's the third and final time. So never ending story. When I think of the way that the uh, that plume comes out to like that, almost like a cloud just rushing towards you. I just at one point call it sappy, but at one point I just stopped running because it's just coming for you. And sappy, so sappy. You know, feel free to tell Ray if you ever see her at some event we're in. But I was like. I, I just closed my eyes as it came towards me and I just thought of Ray. And it's so corny and lame, but it's like, if a giant cloud was coming towards me like that, that's the thought that I'd have. And so, yeah, giant sap fest. But, uh, but yeah, as we, yeah, you end up in the cloud and you... Sometimes I wouldn't get to the eagle in time and definitely Kumo gave me the most trouble, I think, uh, just taking my like little, my sort of the golden kind of diamond stuff. But uh, it was fine, you know, uh, Again, the ethos throughout was just love. There's just so much love in this title and love for your time as a player. Uh, it was just applied so universally, honestly. Um, it's And by the way, the more I think about it, the more that I know that I'll experience it again, the higher it'll climb in sort of that ladder of acclaim and, and timeless sort of favorite, most kindred and resonant works of entertainment and art. Art and entertainment. Uh, it, it'll just sort of further embed itself and, and gain more altitude and more command in that particular pantheon for me uh yeah gosh art and entertainment folks that's literally like humans we're the storytellers and that's like that's our thing it's like you know birds have wings and fish have fit like gills and like we have our imaginations and it's just so wonderful to see uh yeah art and entertainment and in the way that it is embodied seriously um in its most beautiful positive aspects by the uh, giant squid team and i want to say this is like hi they like they don't have crazy budgets they, they're just there doing it for themselves and and you know like it didn't have crazy hyper super duper realistic textures or whatever it's just and yet it, it was what it is which is this you know um yeah it's just a, it's a symphony really and i, I really hope they uh 
they create an art book, it would be wonderful. So a couple of points left. Um, so proud of the lineage, the way the icons spin around you, Croc style. Yep, we've mentioned that. Uh, that can't wait to get home to play Aspect. So I remember experiencing this in the 90s uh, with uh, Medieval. So it is a true like badge of honor um, or, or just a, a demarcator of like, hey, this made me think of, I mean, I'm 32 this year, just turned 32 like a week ago, a couple weeks ago, um, for a title to make me go back to that space of like, I can't wait. So if I'm able to connect these two, I actually ran out of time. They're not sure how much I missed out on because I didn't notice the point there. But anyway, just to kind of tie things off, honestly, one of the most kindred titles I've ever experienced. And um, it is an empathy-driven title is one of my final notes here. All throughout, it was like empathy was the leading thing is what would this do at this point and what would be perfect for the for the person experiencing this title here. Um, and in all of these instances, it was just this beautifully empathy-driven, um, humanity-driven, mythology-driven experience. So it's impossible to quantify with words and uh, or with like a game scale or anything needless to say 10 out of 10 masterpiece if we were going to use that traditional kind of um you know uh classification for what something is but uh, the implications for what the pathless is and uh, what it represents and uh what it'll inspire f people to do including me with the quantum myth is uh we will we will see it's um we'll, we'll see that play out over the many decades to come so I feel privileged, truly, to have experienced this when I did in the time in history that I did. Thank you once again to Giant Squid for sending that code. That's very generous of you. It's reflective uh, in in the title itself, this generosity of spirit you have. Cannot wait for your next title. You're each and every one of you in Giant Squid, a credit to uh, the art of interactive art. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So thank you to all of you will i'm not even saying hope to i will work with you one day that's manifesting that because uh, you're the most worthwhile artists on the planet to me right now so take good care and until next time everyone bye for now